Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. You'll leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we're doing and what we what else would you love to hear as well. Also follow us on the YouTube page for these video episodes as well. But this week I have Justin with me and in Justin Goldstein to be exact, but I have him on as the founder of Press Record Communication. And he has developed public relation outreach, content development, and thought leadership for some global companies like General Motors and Best Buy. So it's glad to have you on the show, Justin. Thank you for having me. And the first question is, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Neither, actually. I'm more of a water guy. <laughs> like any like flavored waters, any type of water or other specific ones? Regular Poland Spring Aquafina style water. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I mean... It's the closest to coffee and tea waters because you got to have that to actually make it. So yep. good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, I gave a brief introduction, but can you summarize your expertise to our listeners, I should say? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the uh, public relations, you know, communication space for over a decade. Uh, you know, a lot of clients know me for my media relations expertise, especially on the broadcast side. Um, so television, radio, podcasts. And, you know, I've essentially worked on a variety of public relations and content development programs through my, my tenure in the industry. Um, and I've worked at, you know, small, large firms and started press record communications about three years ago. Nice. How has that been going through all the pandemic and everything else? Uh, it's been going well. I mean, thankfully, we've had two growth years in a row from, you know, the first year that we started. And I can't really complain, especially in the middle of, uh, as you mentioned, a pandemic. So, you know, hopefully it continues to go off from here. Nice. And what is the necessity of being proactive in both client and media relations? And is there any benefits that you reap from doing that? Is it one of those things where everybody should be doing it to a lot of PR pros don't think about doing it? What, what's that all about? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the key in business and media relations. Uh, you know, I think from a media relations perspective, especially in this day and age where, you know, there are less reporters at the traditional newsrooms that are getting so many pitches a day, you know, you really have to try to be the first one there, or at least making sure that you're being proactive in your follow-up to get to the top of their inbox or on the phone where, you know, a lot of people are afraid to go to talk to reporters. And then in business, you know, I think with clients, it's, it's incredibly important to be proactive because oftentimes clients don't necessarily have the bandwidth or the time to really be thinking two steps ahead. And that's why you're there as a consultant to do it for them. So the more that you can do that, the better you're going to look in front of your clients and the longer you're going to keep those relationships. Nice. And is there any keys to actually being proactive? Because we're all talking about being proactive, but a lot of times we're a little bit more reactive than we want to be. Is there any like keys, uh, strategies for that? Or is it just kind of like keeping ahead of the game mostly? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, building time into your calendar to actually be proactive. And 
thinking about the times of day that work well for you to do so when you actually need to be proactive. So, you know, from a media perspective, it's the early morning hours. That's typically when pitching happens because you're also less inundated with client work. Um, or if you're in-house, you're just less inundated with the other aspects of your job. And it's easier to be able to pitch at that time. And I think it's also about prioritization and understanding what exactly are the key elements that need to be acted on real quickly instead of trying to do everything all at once. And once you figure that out, you can really be very specific and honed in on what's going to move the needle for the client relationship. Or again, if you're in-house, your relationship with your with your boss, your team, the board of directors, whoever whoever you're ultimately going to report to. Gotcha. And then what is beneficial to you, you and your clients to address key issues immediately so they don't have a chance to snowball? Well, I think you kind of said it in the question, right? You, you don't want to let too much time go by uh, because the longer you do, the more room there is for critique and for damage to be done to the relationship, which is ultimately the most important piece to any uh, piece of business in the client service industry, like public relations. So I think what's, what's good is, you know, the, 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 my saying, or a saying I've heard that I've adopted from my own mindset is the quicker you get to it, the quicker you get through it. And so it's a lot of, it's also about just getting used to not, or getting used to facing the fear of tackling the issue head on so that you can just kind of nip it in the bud as soon as you possibly can. And then, you know, move on from there and build a positive experience from that point forward. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we said key issues. So is there, can you overreact to an issue that may not be as bad as you think, or should you still have that proactive mindset? Because sometimes it may not actually have a snowball effect and you overreacted to an issue. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody's guilty of making something a bigger deal in their mind than it actually is. I'm still guilty of it. I think as a human being, you are prone to do so. And the more that you're in those situations, the less that you're going to do it. That being said, I do think there is a value and um, how do I put this? There's value to being a bit, what's the word, uh, to overanalyze a bit, because I view it as if you can control it, you can see things from different angles and see around different curves that maybe you wouldn't if you were a bit more complacent not to be that way. But you also have to check your emotions while you're doing it, right? So you, again, want to be controlled and reserved. You don't want to let it spill out and you start to make irrational decisions. But at the same time, uh, you also don't want to let it get to you mentally because that's ultimately just going to affect your work overall. But I think there is something to say about being able to see from five different vantage points that you're prepared and ready to tackle those different challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like business discernment or business wisdom or experience where it's like, okay, maybe this one, we don't really have to care about as much as maybe this issue. Yeah. I think you got to just assess. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think you just kind of have to assess what is really, what do you really have to prioritize in terms of addressing when, when you're addressing different issues that being said, I wouldn't necessarily live and leave an issue on the table per se, but the way that you address it maybe doesn't take up all of your energy that you could be dedicating to a more important issue. Why is taking longer than 24 to 48 hours to respond to a client email a subtle message that, well, you don't prioritize them too much? And how can PR pros make sure to not do that and make it within that 24 to 48 hour time frame? Yeah, I think... Um, 
I think that that is true. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to get into a habit where you are needing to respond to a client email, of course, unless it's something urgent within five minutes. But if you let two days go by and it's a consistent thing, right? Because ultimately we're humans, we're going to miss emails from time to time, or we might forget to call somebody back. But if it becomes more of a consistent thing, it just, I think it plants a seed in the client's head, or again, if you're in-house, your boss's head, whoever it is, that there's other things that you're attending to. And if you're not taking at least a few minutes to call the person back, text them, email them to tell them that, you know, they're on your radar, you're getting to it and you're, you're putting things in motion to solve an issue or answer their question. It just shows a lack of you prioritizing them, which is not the feeling that you want to have them feel because ultimately they're going to say, well, there's somebody else that does something like you do, or, or there's somebody else that can do what you do but the customer service is better and that's what's going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you make sure that you like to tell yourself that? Cause you're right. Sometimes we get busy. Is it more consistency thing of like, if I don't get back to them, let's say for four weeks, I mean, they don't prioritize them. So how do you keep that consistency and messaging your client back and making sure all your clients are prioritized? Do you put like a schedule on there? Do you do something to like remind yourself about it just in case? Yeah. So I actually, I do a couple things. One is I leave messages unread. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about inbox zero, which I hope to one day achieve. But I think having messages unread, especially when we're so reliant on our phones, is a really smart idea because at least as we're checking our phones, if we see, you know, if we can easily go into our mail app and hit the unread filter and then we just see all the messages there, it's just easy, it's convenient, we know we have to get to it. So that's one thing that I do. Um, also, I think blocking out time in your day just to go through all your unread messages uh, helps you to stay on top of it too and making sure that it's on a calendar that's synced to your phone calendar so that it's consistent and you know you're actually going to check it. Mm -hmm. And what is your thoughts about setting reasonable expectations? I know a lot of times when you're trying to get clients, you're like, I'm going to do all this stuff for you and it's not that reasonable. So how do you set those expectations so your client knows that this is how a campaign is going to run Let's set reasonable expectations. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think one thing to do is to start by saying in, in, a, in a good way, in a strategic way, basically the message being, we can do whatever you want and it's your budget and we, you know, we can go with it however direction you want. But ultimately, this is the result that we expect to see or we try to say is going to happen in the near term and we want to beat that, right? So you're, you're – and I actually had an issue with the client – uh, the other day where they wanted to continue on a short-term basis to do something. And I advised that we could do it, but likely you're not going to be able to extract the value that you want within that short time frame, And they still want to do it, um, which is fine. That's their decision. But I think it's, it's being transparent, open and honest and saying the ball's in your court, but this is what we're advising as an expectation that we would definitely look to beat and just having that conversation. And if, you know, you try once or twice and it doesn't get through and that's what they want to do, Sometimes it takes somebody or, or a team seeing it for themselves to really, you know, to really have a click. Mm -hmm. And what are some common mistakes comp pros make with either writing or clients or whatever? Yeah, I think uh, from a media relations perspective, and this isn't necessarily their fault. It's more so just the structure of the industry that we're all, you know, strapped for time and looking to do a million things at once. Um, I think from a media relations perspective, there's definitely a gap in understanding that uh, you really have to do your research 
and I, what I mean by that is, you know, you could be targeting, let's say, a cybersecurity reporter, but cybersecurity could have 50 different beats. It could be a cybersecurity reporter that covers national security, enterprise security, consumer security. So you have to really understand what, what it is that that reporter is covering. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that comms pros that are doing the, the media outreach, we all can do a better job at that. Um, and then I, I think also, can I actually pause for a sec? Let me just think of the other one. You could edit it. Um, let me think of one more. State that comes um, I'll just, I'll do a writing one. So let me, let me back up and I'll say, um, I think another mistake that comms pros make would likely be from a writing perspective, not, not making sure that you're writing for your actual audience. So what I find is a lot of times clients want to get some a thought out, they're passionate about a topic and it's a good topic, but it doesn't necessarily resonate with the audience that they're looking to connect with. So just being able to brainstorm topics that are really going to move the needle and writing in such a way that the audience is going to appreciate it and gravitate towards it. Gotcha. And then what are some easy changes that our listeners can make to adopt or tighten up their client facing and outbound communication? One thing we, we could all do really well is, or, or, or we could potentially do better is trying to get to the point a little quicker, because if you think about it, oftentimes your clients are probably running around like crazy, just like we are. They don't have time to read a multiple paragraph essay. So I think it's about just being pithy and trying to get your, your key message across in maybe a paragraph. But, you know, of course, if you're giving a recap on something, a specific project, or you're trying to give more of a detailed explanation as to why you chose to do something, especially if it's involving a solution to a problem, then, you know, you want to try to leave yourself room to give that detail, but be as pithy as you possibly can. Gotcha. So that would be more like in emails, for example, you have a lot of say, maybe put in bullet points, maybe even having like a PowerPoint for them to read later, if so, for extra exactly. material. Exactly. Got Exactly. So what I'm hearing from the last two questions is don't be as lazy on this stuff and try your best to put some effort into it because it makes the media think you actually care and your clients actually care. Yes. It's all about customer service at the end of the day. That's my opinion. Gotcha. And it's good to go into this next question. What What's the importance of going the extra mile for your clients and for outside campaigns and for the media? Yeah. So I think it's, I think the thing that I would, I would keep in mind as a comms pro is that the results are the baseline for any client relationship. The results are expected. Um, and then after that, in order to keep them, customer service is what's going to make, make that or make or break that effort to do so. Um, because ultimately, if the client feels like, yeah, you're getting me media placements, you won, you got a set award, et cetera, um, but it's difficult to work with you. I don't hear back for a week. It's hard to get a hold of you if I have a question. I'm getting more stressed out with this effort than I should be or want to be. That's what's going to lead to them leaving. So, yes, I think going the extra mile and making sure you're solidifying those relationships for the long term is is critical. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, with all this media relations and the changing landscape of media in general, where is this all going for the future, I mean, I could see this going like podcasters like me, YouTubers, traditional media. Is it yeah. being more segregated into those types of things? And do PR pros have to be, I guess, 
at least understand all the different avenues for media in general? Absolutely. You know, I tell people all the time, media is not dying. It's evolving and uh, diversifying. I think the biggest trend that we're seeing right now, and it's only going to continue, is that the newsrooms, the traditional newsrooms, will lose talent to the substacks of the world, podcasts, YouTube. Um, and, and what's and not to say that they're going to go away by any means. It's just that they're going to have to fight for talent just like any other industry. They're going to have to fight for talent because a lot of talent now is trying to go off and do it on your own, on their own, like yourself. Um, and I think what is also going to happen is that the definition of the reporter is going to change because now where we're starting to go, I think, is that pretty much anybody with a phone that's willing to broadcast live on Instagram or podcast, YouTube, whatever, they could be considered, even if they haven't gone through the training, as a reporter, as an influencer. Um, and those, I think those lines are starting to blur even more than they have been in the past. So we have to watch for that and also be cognizant of where the quality is in terms of those opportunities, because there's so much opportunity out there now to get quote unquote media coverage. I think we have to apply the same principle that we would to any traditional outlet to be like, okay, we can get this piece of coverage, but does it actually move the needle for our client or not? Mm -hmm. And that principle will say the same. It's just going to be applied to all different types of mediums now. And then to, to a different angle, even going back to issues, the issue of misinformation is going to be, a lot bigger and louder. We've seen Joe Rogan go through his little thing of people not liking what he says or guests that he has on. So how do PR pros at least try to minimize or mitigate that misinformation angle when you're talking to the media? Cause sometimes you'd have no idea what's going to be quote unquote misinformation a lot of times. Yeah. So do you mean how can PR pros play a role in stopping misinformation or minimizing it at least? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think actually, Hopefully what we'll see is that reporters, producers, bookers, whatever the case may be, they're actually going to appreciate us more because we're the ones that can help to keep organizations, thought leaders, whoever it is in check um, and make and we're sort of the, the we can be the gatekeepers for accurate information. I mean, of course, there's only so much that we can do because we're getting the information from the source. Right. But if we're helping to develop their thoughts, develop the content, we, we can help to do the research. We can help to provide information in an accurate, timely way. So, you know, I, I think hopefully our role in that will be greater. Is it going to stop at 100%? No, but maybe there is a way for us to play a part in that we will help to build the content that they that the reporters bring in and help and help in some way to make sure it's it's at least accurate. I don't know if that'll certainly you know be the case, but I think there is a role for us to play in that. All right. And fun question for you. If you could create a virtual assistant for PR pros, what would this virtual assistant be able to automate for PR pros? Uh, media list building <laughs> and uh, writing emails back to clients. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I like those. Yeah, those, those, those would help quite a bit. Anyways, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I should say, you know, thanks for having me and for the listeners to, you know, take the time to listen. And, uh, you know, if you want to learn a little bit about the firm, uh, Press Record Communications, we're at www.pressrecord.co, P-R-E-S-S-R-E-C-O-R-D.co. And um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I believe it's 
linkedin.com slash Goldstein Justin. All right. Well, thank you, Justin, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge on PR and media relations. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to Public Relations PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. And let us know how we're doing. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding media relations, building those lists, and researching them. And see you next week. Later.